This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty so that you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Miss Cleo. Who was Miss Cleo? Well, she was a late-night infomercial star and the face of the Psychic Readers Network, the ebullient medium called to an entire generation of lovesick and confused loners trying to give them guidance and solace for a price. Act 1. A Jamaican Accent for the Stars Yori Del Harris might not be a name that rings a bell, but it's the birth name of one of the most famous faces in American culture. From the 1990s, that is. Yori Del Harris rose to prominence while playing the figurehead of the pay-per-call service, the Psychic Readers Network. Her character, Miss Cleo, shot to superstardom due to her Jamaican accent and garish showmanship. She was the main attraction for the network from 1997 to 2003, born in Los Angeles on August 12, 1962, and raised in a Catholic Afro-Caribbean family. She attended an all-girls school as a child. In 1996, Harris opened a theatrical production company in Seattle, Washington, which produced several productions, one of which being a play called Four Women Only that featured a character named you guessed it, Cleo, who also sported a Jamaican accent. In 1997, she received a grant from the Langston Center to put on a play, but failed to do so. She also failed to pay any of her actors. She just basically skipped town. Supposedly, she told her fellow theater production practitioners that she had bone cancer and that her medical costs would prevent her from paying anyone. However, that wasn't true. She just took the money. The Langston Center opted not to sue her due to the fact that the lawyer's fees would actually eclipse the expense of any money recouped. Spandrew, this is a crazy fucking story. Um, I knew some of this stuff, but I honestly didn't know all of the stuff that we're going to get into in today's episode prior to this research. Uh, what was your, what, what is, what's your exposure level to uh, Miss Cleo prior to us doing this episode? I mean, obviously, I vividly remember the Miss Cleo commercials being this staple of watching TV in the late nineties. Um, so I was, I, you know, I'm super, that's firmly a nostalgic little, you know, walk back memory lane to think about these commercials that would come on TV, you know, in between episodes of the wonder years and I love Lucy on Nick at night, you know, for hours and hours. The, the interesting thing is just, just getting into this, getting this far into the story I knew about the fact that basically it ended up being revealed that the whole thing was a scam, which I don't remember being surprised by that. I was like, oh, you mean the psychic call line was a scam? No shit. Who who was like, oh, my God, that wasn't real. 
but I but I knew about that. And but the the interesting thing right off the bat is that you know not really knowing a lot of specifics about the story, I kind of thought that she was just like an actor that was hired to be the face of this thing. And I'm I'm a little taken aback to find out that she was like already had this like fledgling career as like a con artist. Like she was making she was making moves. Yeah, it's it's interesting because she basically like I once you say it, it totally makes sense of like, oh, she was a frustrated actor. She wasn't from fucking Jamaica. (laughs) She was, you know, from the U.S. and. She kind of moved around, skipped town, fucked some people over, and uh, got into the uh, shystery, weird, bullshit world of sideshow hucksterism that is psychics, um, which is also just, like, doubly strange to me. I don't know if this is out where you are in Burbank, but here in, like, L.A. Central, there are there are psychic, like, reader businesses, like, everywhere. They're everywhere here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't think there are many in Burbank, but I've obviously seen many of those. You know, I, I, I don't just stay in the the bubble of Burbank. Uh, really? Because last time I asked you to hang out, you were like, "Bruh, that's outside the bank. We don't go outside the bank." You got to make a withdrawal into the bank if you want to see me. Yeah. Or a deposit, I guess. Yeah, you. I, I mean, I that's the reason work. why you only wear the color Burberry. And and I only listen to the rapper Bun B. Right. Yeah. And uh, I only eat blueberries. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, the the appeal of psychics is obvious, um, although I think I think it's kind of almost different than what the appeal of Miss Cleo or these psych- psychic 900 numbers were specifically. Because, you know, obviously the appeal of a psychic is you go in there and you want to, like, see what your future is. And some people do it more kind of for fun, like it's kind of like a novelty. And some people do it because they think it's real. And some people do it, I think, somewhere in between where they don't necessarily think it's real. But like, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're not superstitious, but you still don't walk under a ladder because like, what if I like, like I think some people like do it for that. I almost I almost feel like because, you know, watching some some of these old uh, Miss Cleo commercials and kind of thinking about them, the way that they presented them, the calls in the commercials almost kind of had the same appeal of like court TV because it because it would be like it would be like some person being like I think my husband's cheating on me and then Miss Cleo would be like girl she's he's not only cheating on you but he's got another family like you got to get out of there now and I and it and it kind of reminded me of what I think the appeal of court TV is which is like it's like it's like an authority figure like help like help like telling people how to live their lives properly. And in the case, in the case of court TV, it's like this judge, he's the law, he or she is the law. And so like what, you know, they, they're going to be like the grand disseminator. I think, I think people like what enjoy watching that. It's like cathartic. And, the, and, and like the, the Miss Cleo commercials almost have that same vibe, except for it's because she's a psychic. Like she's, she's gonna, she's gonna like tell you how to live your life. It was less of a, it was less of a, like, here's your future. And it was more of a like, I'm going to give you advice on how to live. It was almost like more of a, an advice thing. Yeah. When it was going well, it was a it was that. And then sometimes she just drops the Jamaican accent mid sentence and just says random shit, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I was I was I was surprised to see that she was like already kind of a scam artist. The thing that's interesting to me, you know, early on in the podcast, we talked a lot about iterative design and how certain creators have like this obsession that they kind of like twist and turn and examine from all these different angles 
And we've also talked a lot about these kind of charlatan, criminally type figures who are driven by ego and they have these kind of grand missions or personal statements that they embark on and they kind of bend the world to their will to a bizarre degree to be able to accomplish these things. That's what I thought this story was. But it's actually the story of an iterative creator because Miss Cleo is a character and a persona, a kayfabe persona that was like honed over multiple iterations, first as a stage character in this play for women only, and then in, you know, the process of her becoming involved with the Psychic Readers Network. And then later in life, she couldn't figure out what another bit was. So she just kind of kept doing Miss Cleo, but to like lesser and lesser degrees of success, which is kind of fascinating to me, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it, it's almost like if you if you excise the part where she like scammed people out of money by lying and pretending that she had bone cancer, which will have sort of an ironic payoff later on. Um, if you kind of take that part out where it's like, yeah, this is fucked up. You're a piece of shit. Um, it's it is it's fascinating. And it's all it, yeah, it's like it's like this character that was created in a certain context. And then she took this character and honed it into different formats and contexts to the point where like a, a character in a play was ended up turned into like a kayfabe personality for a for a psychic 900 number network and in that in that framed in that way it's it's more fascinating where it's like i almost like i said aside from the scamming part and like lying to people and stealing money i'm almost into it of like you take this one character and you just like present it in new context and become and like until the point where you sort of embody the character, it, it, it then it becomes almost like Andrew WK or like Nathan Fielder, where like Nathan, Nathan for you and sort of Nathan Fielder's general persona had this very specific context to it that we all became familiar with. And then with the rehearsal, it's almost like how much of this is real and how much of this is like a narrative that you've crafted around this persona that you've built over the past couple of years with shows that you've made. And when you when you frame it like that, it, it becomes almost cool. It's like, oh, you took you took this character you created like an Onyx the Fortuitous to reference another Deep Cuts episode. And then you made it into like a real person that interacted with people in this like kind of inventive way of like doing psychic readings for strangers. Well, that's also like it's interesting because that is the role that most actors end up playing, right? You the the real performance as an actor is not what you do on screen. It's how you manage to blend who you are and who the public wants you to be. You know, like is Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, Jack from Titanic? No, but he had to figure out how to straddle the line between being who he is in real life and whatever those foibles might be and this character that everyone loves, right? And he's kind of been able to thread that pretty gracefully with some weird picadillos about women, obviously. Um, or, you know, even someone like Johnny Depp. Like, how do you have who you really are and then the thing you're most recognized and beloved for being Jack Sparrow, and how do you kind of straddle the difference between those things? And like, as he's gotten older, he's kind of just become more and more Jack Sparrow. <laughs> You know, because it's hard not to incorporate those elements into your personality when they're paying you 
$20 million to live as that person for two years. And then also everyone in your life constantly telling you, oh, I love it when you are this way. Oh, I love it when you wear weird headbands and have weird pseudo problematic white people dreadlocks and eye makeup and weird fucking sashes. Why do you wear so many fucking sashes, Johnny Depp? I don't know. And it, and it almost a more almost like a, a, a another example of that that maybe is a little bit more dr- honed in is something like Larry the Cable Guy or Andrew Dice Clay, where Larry the Cable Guy, I forget his real name, but Larry the Cable Guy is not a real person. It's a character. And the real guy that is Larry the Cable Guy, if you look at his stand-up from the 1980s, he's just a like a normal dude. He's like almost like the opposite of Larry the Cable Guy. He's kind of like, he, he, back in the 80s, his stand-up was like very stereotypical brick wall New York comedian, almost kind of yuppie-ish. And then he created Larry the Cable Guy. But then there was back in like the mid 2000s or whenever, early 2000s, whenever uh, the Dixie Chicks got canceled by the country music industry for saying anti-George Bush things. Larry the Cable Guy incorporated some like political stuff into his comedy where he would like take shots at the Dixie Chicks and be like, you know, them girls, they ain't going to step on the flag like that or whatever. And it's like at that point, like, you know, that's not a character anymore. Like that's you like adopting a real political stance that's in the kayfabe of the character that you have. And like, I don't know if that guy is really like a hardcore conservative in real life, but I know he's not authentically a country music fan. He's like some dude from New York that like used to wear fucking penny loafers. Yeah. And same thing with same thing with Andrew Dice Clay. Like he's not a like Goomba East Coast dude in his real life. Yeah, like, it, it was like it started out as like a satire, but then he just became that guy. Same thing with uh, and he's abandoned the character now. But for thirty years, Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, and he he he's purposely not done that character for, to the point where he said he can't remember how to do the voice anymore. Which I don't even know if that's true, but that's what he says. But yeah, like he just he's not that guy. He's just a normal dude. So it's that's that's the kind of interesting thing here to me is this like you're trying desperately to make a living. Um, you know, the 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 kind of unspoken modus operandi behind Yori Del Harris's life is that she got pregnant really young and she had a baby, I think at like 19. Uh, and then she had another baby later in life, maybe when she was like in her 30s, maybe or late 20s. Um, but you know, so there's this kind of like, there's this weird, yes, she's a fucking shyster criminal. Yes, she's ripping people off, but also she's like basically the figurehead of this organization, the Psychic Readers Network. She's not actually the person putting the apparatus in place or the person dictating the prices. And she's obviously doing all of these super shady things to try and support this family that she has, this child. Now that that makes it okay, because it definitely doesn't, but it, you know, gives clues to her motivation, you know, uh, keys into her psyche. No one knows exactly how Miss Cleo got involved in the Psychic Readers Network, but it would stand to reason that she applied for a job as a reader, auditioned, and then the powers that be were so enthused with her amazing Jamaican accent that they hired her on the spot. The partnership that they would form would bring in a billion dollars over the few years that she was actually the face of the network. It was sold to people as basically a five-minute free call that then you would be charged 
4.99 for every subsequent minute afterwards. Basically, the average caller was charged a $60 fee per call due to the way that the wait times and hold procedures worked. So basically, you would call in, you'd see these infomercials late at night, you'd call in with the false assumption that it would only be a five-minute call. You'd be immediately right on the phone talking to somebody. I want to know if my grandmother's going to be alive in the afterlife. And then, you know, fucking, well, uh, yes, she is alive in the afterlife. Great, thanks. Free call. Basically, all of the five-minute free time was used up while you, with you, like, on hold with, you know, hold music. Then you would get on, and they would ask you a long number of questions, a long list of questions to try and, uh, you know, accurately assign you the, the, the correct psychic reader. So it would be like, what's your birth sign? What's your birthday? Where are you from? Blah, 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 blah. And all of that would be charging you stuff. And then usually when you got on the phone with a reader, you'd be there for probably about five to six minutes. So all of that would usually run you about 60 fucking dollars, which is just insane. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, I never um, I think as a kid, when you saw those commercials, it's like everybody wanted to call it. I never, I never called it, but I think my cousin called Miss Cleo a couple times, and like maybe got in trouble. Oh wow! Did she give him uh, the uh, the positive life advice? I I don't I I have no idea. I don't know I don't know what was said, but I do remember that somebody in my family or some friend or something like that at one point called Miss Cleo. But I but I think even at that time I had. I was so I was so uninterested in the idea of like a psychic and so like not thinking that that was a real thing that I had I didn't even have curiosity about trying it. Let's uh let's watch this uh, let's watch this little clip here. This is a this is a commercial for the Psychic Readers Network starring one Miss Cleo. Don't you really want to know? Okay, I was wondering who the father of my baby was. All right, let's take a look. The Miss Cleo DNA test. I <laughs> Solely searching for the father of your baby. Oh, it's the one that's very unpleasant. Okay. Okay. Um, and he's also the one that had another girlfriend while he was sleeping with you. Yes, he did. Yep, that's him. That's the daddy. Okay. But you knew that. I wasn't sure. I don't know how the baby looks just like him. Yes, he does. Yeah. So you were in denial because he has a funny little chin, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, and the baby have that same little chin. Oh, my God. The cards can reveal things that you will never see by yourself. Call me now for your free tarot reading. Call 1-800-980-8637. Interesting how that accent just disappeared and then came back. Okay, the memories, the the nostalgia. I, I remember that exact commercial, like, that specific commercial the interesting thing about that to me is that sometimes when she's performing as miss cleo she's in character and it's there isn't a it's not it's not i mean look do i know it's a performance yes 100 percent. but it doesn't feel it feels like she's inhabiting a character as opposed to code switching or performing in 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 a way that might be like oh yeah this person's from america and they maybe have you know some sort of Afro-Caribbean heritage, and so they're just kind of like switching into that dialect, uh, you know, uh, for emphasis or something, right? That commercial kind of feels like that to me. Like that, I'd be curious to know when that was shot in her time 
as Miss Cleo on air because it feels like the character's not fully worked out yet and it feels very kind of like she's slipping in and out of it where it's like the real person is on screen and when she gets nervous it's more pronounced does that make sense of what i'm saying yeah and she's almost kind of like which which was talked about on the andrew wk episode but when you're gonna live as a kayfabe character it's like the smart way to do it where you you build in a little bit of space to not have to be on all the time where she's almost like She's not taking it super seriously. She's almost kind of like making fun of it a little bit in the, in the performance where it's like where it's like the part where she's just like, oh, the, the Miss Cleo DNA test like kind of rolls her eyes or whatever. She builds in a little space to where she doesn't have to be the like, I will consult the cards, that character all the time. It's also interesting, too, in that um, I'm kind of surprised that stuff like this hasn't started again. Like, this feels like something that could totally take off right now. Like, like a whatnot streaming psychic. Like, I, I, you know, I 100% could see that being, like, wildly successful. I'm not saying it should be. You know, it's dark that people feel they need to go to psychics, which are obviously not real. But it's, it's, I could see it really taking off. And I feel like there's, there are mediums and there are people who do cold reading and so on and so forth. And in the cultural zeitgeist to a certain extent, but nobody to the degree that she was, you know? I think uh, there's obviously still people that are doing this, right? Like there was that the pastor or priest who was doing Zoom exorcisms during the, during the fucking pandemic. And, you know, there's, there's versions of this, but it's just not the same culturally, you know, it doesn't impact. I, I wonder what the metrics are on that because I feel like there's conflicting circumstantial information about kind of like the ideological makeup of of the country and the world, I guess, where you have almost like these contradictory ideas of how the world has evolved that when you kind of put them together, they they start to contradict each other. Like there's, you know, we, we see data that suggests that the world is increasingly more secular. So there's less and less people that believe in religion. And you can probably correlate that with like fewer and fewer people who believe in like supernatural things. But then we also kind of like simultaneously talk about how the world has just gotten dumber and dumber and people believe in crazy conspiracy theories and stuff like that. So I really wonder where it shakes out. Like, are people more or less likely to buy into psychic scam bullshit now than before? I don't know if they're I don't know if they're more or less likely, but it's easier to find people who are susceptible to it, I think. Like the fact that there's not like a think piece on vice this week that's like this is how facebook facebook algorithms are secretly radicalizing your grandmas into a psychic cult is like wild to me yeah it's like it it's it's one like the the whole psychic readers network and miss cleo thing is just it's it's like one little it's a couple percentage of points off from like a prosperity scam where it's like it's almost that it's almost that if it was just a little bit further but it's like it's a little bit more sanctioned it's more it's more set up as just being kind of a business that offers like a, a service for entertainment purposes only kind of thing. But it's like it's almost it's like a couple percentage points off of like we will tell you like all you need to know to live your life and just give us money and we'll tell you the information, the secret information you need to know to become rich later on or whatever. It's like almost that, which is in some ways kind of reassuring to me because it's almost like oh it it buys into a or it feeds into a an existing emotional need that people have 
and it makes it a little bit easier to understand why these things happen but it's also just so sad like it's just so fucking sad <laughs> yeah and I, the whole premise of it is sad because it's like they play these commercials late night they're and they're trying to find just like sad people who are up at midnight watching tv who are just like Please help me know why I'm so lonely. Please tell me why my life sucks. And they're just like making up fake bullshit. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's very sad. Just like cap capitalizing off of loneliness and like bad fortune. Which the internet does better than anything in human history, which is why I'm so surprised that it hasn't happened like there, that there hasn't been a Miss Cleo of the internet age, you know, but it's probably, it's probably the, the same, the two sides of the same coin where it's like the very fact, the very fact that the internet or social media is such a breeding ground for something like this simultaneously is why it wouldn't work. Because if, if social media and the internet as it exists today existed in the late nineties, the the psychic readers network and Miss Cleo would pro- probably been outed as like scammers within like a day. Somebody would have just looked into it and just been like, "This person's real name is this. They're not Jamaican." Like they, they would have they, they would have been found out in like a day. Uh, it's pretty apparent though that like this shit is super fake. Let's let's watch this talk show appearance because it's it is you know it's like standard cold reading tactics. Like it's nothing crazy. Excited to have our next guest here. Her voice is as familiar as her face, and her expert psychic advice is just a phone call away. Please welcome Shaman and Author, Miss Galea. Shaman and Author. Shaman and Author. Really casually slipped that in. Um, I was just wondering if you see anything um, for me, like towards my education, because I'm kind of torn between things. Give me your birth date first, mommy, including um, the year. January 7th, 82. Oh, my goodness. Well, you can never make a decision easy. You can't go, go shopping, you can't go supermarket, you know, make no decision easy. Never. True. But, yeah, she's very true. It, it's very difficult for her to do that. What me want you to say is I want you to wait until spring. Because you know you're not financially, you're not really ready to do it right now. Okay? And by then, wait until spring, then you can go back. If you're serious, because you wasted time before doing it. Oh, good one. She looks like you hit that. Did you see the yeah, she didn't seem she satisfied with that. She didn't seem like that was a good answer. We just want to know where you see us going in the future with our careers. I need birth dates for both of What's you. What's yours? 62878. 628, 78. 78, all right. 10879. Well, you're not going together. Um, only because the, the young lady here. This lady? Yes, sir. Your career is important, but it's not as important as relationship and family is to you. And you will opt to go to family and relationship. You, on the other hand, you have tunnel vision. You are driven to a point of total destruction about business and money and goal and objective. And that's why you can't keep a man, because you don't concentrate on them. Watch her sit down. Oh, my. Okay. What do you want to ask, Miss Cleo? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, I was planning on moving soon. Would that be a good move or not, like around February? You need his birthday? Yes, I do, birthday? baby. Always April, give, give me your April birthday. April 28th, 81. Actually, that's not bad. I don't want you moving in with the other person, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. So you didn't even tell me that part, right? Aye. <laughs> don't move in the other person. You can move, but I don't want you to move, dear. Who's you the other person? You are far more responsible than the other person. You're very good with money, and I don't want you to get used. You've been down that path. 
once before, five months ago. Learn your lesson. Wow. Oh, man. The fascinating thing is that, like, they're not allowing anybody to have a retort or like, oh, that is correct or not. Yeah, they're yeah, like yeah, like you said, like there's, I mean, it just it, it's plain and simple. They're just cold reading tactics. It's like, I mean, that, that first that first girl, she did not seem like she made she made a very distinctive face. Like that's not right. So I think I don't think she got that one right at all. They just didn't give her a chance to be like no. But the other two people, it's like anybody's gonna think that's them. Like. You're you love family and relationships. You are very driven by business. Like anybody who hears those things, they're both flattering things. And even if they have opposite meanings, like she's essentially saying one person prioritizes family. And so they don't prioritize their career. The other person, she's saying the exact opposite. She's saying the flattering thing. So no matter who you are, you're going to be like, yeah, I am focused on my career and business. Yeah, I do value family over all else. Like nobody's going to say no to those things. Yeah, it'd be, it's like saying like you're a very passionate and intelligent person. No one is going to be like, no, I'm a boring and a dumb person. You're wrong, Miss Cleo. I am an idiot. I ate a light bulb before I came in here. <laughs> It's also interesting, too, because you can tell this is later in her run as the character because she's got the she's got the Jamaican patois down. She's 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 in character in the commercial. It's not like it's just a an affected attempt at a at a at a accent. But in this one, she's actually speaking the dialect. She's using the specific words, colloquial terms and things. Yeah. Yeah. And using the technically incorrect but culturally correct uh conjugations and and you know word words uh which is you can tell she's 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 had some road miles now you know she's had some pencil miles on it she's really like oh no she is she is me miss cleo as opposed to it's me miss cleo who's gonna be your jamaican uh, uh psychic reader tonight yeah yeah in the, yeah in the commercial it's just like it's just it's just you or me trying to do a jamaican accent which is to say not good. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it's also really interesting that this is a cultural point in time where late night infomercials just fucking dominated everything. Like if you just pumped enough money into late night infomercials, whatever product you had could be ubiquitous. It might not be successful, but everyone would know what it was. George Foreman grills, fucking, uh, you know, Miss Cleo, fucking Sham Wow, fucking... Uh, you know, any of these products that were just like everywhere in the late 90s and early 2000s um, because everybody had cable and everybody had late night blocks, you know? Yeah, ca- captive audience where like you're just sitting there watching hours of TV, staying up late. Um, which is, it's, I think, you know, of all of these kind of infomercial people, you know, Billy Mays obviously became very famous and successful. Obviously, our our boy George, George Foreman, uh, but he was also famous beforehand, so it's not necessarily a one-to-one. But, you know, Miss Cleo, who's probably the harbinger of a lot of these late-night, you know, uh, late-night successes, late-night infomercial successes, just, I think it's kind of hard today, you know, two and a half decades later, uh, to really, like, grapple with how ubiquitous she was and how, like, just like a weird cultural figure she was, you know? Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be that way. I mean, there's really there's kind of not really these people don't exist anymore. Like the celebrities are all like Kardashians and 
whoever can like keep themselves in the news with weird salacious bullshit for long enough. Like, like, oh, Pete Davidson and Machine Gun Kelly. We know who those people are because they're just like in these they, – they keep themselves in the news by dating all these different women and all this stuff. It, it, th- those are the people that we know of now. And like we all forgot about Adam Levine until he cheated on his wife and it was a huge story. There, there, there's no longer room for like the guy with the question mark suit. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like, I could get you free money from the government. Like in, in many ways, like Ty Lopez was the last of those guys. Like, oh, here in the garage. Ty Lopez. This is my from here in my garage. Like he, wa- he was one of those guys. He was a Miss Cleo. Yes. He was like the last one. Well, how where do you draw the line between Miss Cleo and somebody like Andrew Tate? I mean, but Andrew Tate was the same thing. He got famous because he went on to social media and was like, women are fucking evil. Like he just he rode the fame of saying super controversial things. And and then and then he kept being famous because he got deplatformed. And everybody is like raising a stink about that in one way or the other. Either like, yes, he should have gotten deplatformed or like, no, this is a violation of free speech. But like, that's not the same as Ty Lopez becoming a ubiquitous thing because everybody just saw the same fucking video of him being like, I don't call them, I don't call it money anymore. I call it fuel units. As the genius billionaire Warren Buffett used to say, uh, knowledge is power. I feel like we should do an episode about Ty Lopez. The the rise and fall of my, of Ty Lopez. I fucking Not even fall. Like he's, he's, he's like a cockroach. Like now he's, he does like an NFT and he has like he sells courses like there's no fall. He's just he's still there. The rise and frustrating ubiquity of Ty Lopez. That guy fucking sucks, man. Fuck that dude. Um, but you know what Ty Lopez doesn't have? A fucking VHS how to series called Miss Cleo's Tarot Power. What go on, babies? It's me, Miss Cleo. I want to thank you for allowing me to introduce you to the wonders of the tarot. I'm glad to see you have taken the first step towards a new world of knowledge and empowerment. Your new tarot reading skills will help you create a better life for yourself and the ones you love. And now you have everything you need to get started. Remember that tarot is much more than a game. This is a spiritual undertaking. You may not yet know how to interpret the cards, but the truth is they are right before you. The cards, them, never lie. Within this tape, you will find the tools you will need to begin exploring the ancient tarot. As a shaman, I have dedicated my life to teaching. It is crucial to me to pass the knowledge on. This is an essential requirement in my belief system. Although there is much, much information to absorb, don't be fearful. While mastering the cards takes time and study, this introduction and the accompanying booklet, along with its tarot key, will provide you with all you need to begin your personal journey. Should you need further help or assistance, please feel free to call our service and support line anytime and speak to one of our tarot experts. The number is on your screen. What a what a weird like little niche like like to to to. F- to like iterate out into like a fucking business like you you have like you have like billy blanks who's like a a, a, a a martial arts expert who you know was in movies and did like stunt choreography and all this stuff and then at some point he's like okay i'm gonna take my skills and i'm gonna utilize it 
to build out this video series that I can make money from and do Taibo, which is like a combination between martial arts and like aerobics. And George Foreman, who literally just like put his name on a grill, like he's just like, oh, somebody made this grill and like, I'm just going to put my name on it and that'll give it some star power and people and I can sell it like this. And so many other things, obviously, there's so many other like little niches and things that people turn into businesses. And hers is just like being a fake Jamaican psychic. That's so strange. Because like, yeah, because what you're saying is like all of those other people have parlayed actual real world skill sets, whether that be the ability to beat the fuck out of someone or the ability to beat the fuck out of someone into some sort of IP franchisable equity where hers is she does an accent pretty good and she's not bad at lying. Yeah. And she's she's not even like a she's not even a magician or like a, a, a true psychic. But that's what's so but that's what's so brilliant about it, though, is because her grift is unprovable. You know what I mean? Like it, there's no there's no false positive or positive positive to be had. It's just she says she's a psychic and then you go, I don't believe you. And she goes, OK, I'll find somebody who does. Yeah, it's utterly fascinating. And and just the butterfly effect of that. Like it's just I mean, I'm sure that's even strange. I'm sure that was even strange for her. Like she created a character for a play in like the mid 90s cut to doing a VHS tape series about tarot reading. It's kind of amazing. Like and on one level, it's like impressive. And on another level, it's kind of like, man, you're a piece of fucking shit, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to uh, I think it, I think it might have been um, Alexander Rove Lobinson. God damn it. <laughs> I think I said like. I'm almost kind of like impressed, like he fucking just convinced people he was a doctor and opened a a practice despite nothing. And you were just kind of like, yeah, but like he fucking stole thousands of dollars from people. Like it's just it's it's shitty. And and it's 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 the same thing here where it's like if it wasn't for the theft. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. This would almost be like the next Andrew W.K. for me. Like, imagine what she could have done if she had put her talents to uh, good use. Yeah, I I almost kind of love it. This weird niching down of, like, creating a character, wanting to become this big, rich, and famous person, that kind of not exactly working, and then just, like, funneling down into making a series of VHS tapes, capitalizing off of what little fame she was able to gain. Yeah, it's also interesting, too, because, like, at various points in time, she's gone back and forth with the Psychic Readers Network because they claimed that they owned the character. And she was like, you can't because I created it for this play. And by, you know, signing on as an employee, you officially licensed the character to us. No, I didn't. Back and forth, back and forth. Um, But for better or for worse, that dialogue was cut short. Call me for your free copyright lawsuit. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Because in 2002, 
Access Resource Services, the parent company of Psychic Readers Network, was sued in various lawsuits originating in nine states. They also were sued by, wait for it, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, for filing false or misleading claims. Stephen Fetter and Peter Stotts, the two creators of the Psychic Readers Network, were charged with deceptive advertising, billing, and collections practices. Harris, aka Miss Cleo, was not charged because she was just an employee and ostensibly only the face of the operation. The suit was eventually settled out of court with PRN agreeing to wipe $500 million in back debt and pay a $5 million fine to the FCC. It was during this lawsuit that Miss Cleo's secret identity was revealed and the tragic fact that she wasn't Jamaican became public knowledge. So this is fascinating to me. And it's also interesting in the way that a lot of people talk about it is it's like, she's not the bad guy, guys. It was these two dudes. It was fucking Peter Stotts and Stephen Fetter. They're the owners of the network. They're the ones who set the predatory business practices. They're the ones who hired everybody. They're the ones who set up the infrastructure. Miss Cleo was just the means by which the herd was culled. And it's like, ah. I get why she might not be legally held responsible but that's different than morally culpable like she knew what she was doing she was the fucking jelaine maxwell of the of the shit yeah she was she was the allison mack they're both in prison what's the difference yeah like i don't know it's it's pretty uh it's pretty dark the fact that they made a billion dollars just rang rang a billion dollars over the course of five years out of just basically sad, lonely people. Like, that's fucked up. That's really sad. Yeah, and not only, like, sad, lonely people, but on top of that, also, like, old people who just don't realize what they're doing. Like, they just aren't, like, mentally aware of the fact that they're burning $5 a minute because they're just caught up in this in the in the situation and aren't, like, technically savvy. Yeah, it's, it's really a bummer. It's, it's, it, uh... I think that there's a a sort of nostalgic loyalty to her on the internet now where people are like, yeah, she was kind of a huckster, but like she was funny and she had an accent and it wasn't really her fault. She didn't set the business practices. Yeah, you could you could see in the comments of that video we just watched. It was just all people being like R.I.P. to a legend. Yeah, like, nah, man. she was my, she was, she was fucking, my childhood. No, she was a fucking snake oil salesman. She was a piece of shit. Like, yeah, I was just like, oh, Bernie Madoff was my childhood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you put Bernie Madoff on, like, some late-night infomercials, would that change the fact that he, like, swindled people out of all of their assets in this crazy Ponzi scheme that touched the most, you know, elite and powerful people in the world? Yeah, I mean, that, but that's, that, that part is also, like, that, that, that aspect of it is very fascinating because it's, it's just, like, the true power of the cult of personality. It's that whole Stan Lee thing where people are so unwilling to, like, un to re-examine people that have, like, worked their way into their hearts. Even to this degree, a fucking infomercial that you would see on TV every night. Yeah, there was no actual... But I think that's the thing, though, is normally people get attached to... You know, there's that old adage that film is a vehicle for generating empathy, right? Um, and infomercials objectively do not have a narrative, so they don't generate empathy. They're a pure commercial vehicle. Their main and primary... St- 
explicitly stated goal is to separate capital from individuals. The thing that differentiates it with Ms. Cleo, even if you don't know that she's a character, in the colloquial sense, she's a character. She's bigger than life. She's kooky. She's funny. She's charming. She's got charisma, like you're saying, cult of personality. And I think that even when there's not a narrative, her personality is so strong that it generates a narrative that makes people want to like her, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and once that happens, it's like really hard to get people to recalibrate their internal perception. It's like it's like stuck. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why Americans love comebacks so much. You know, we love a disgraced celebrity who's been hard on their luck getting another shot. You know, Robert Downey Jr. making it back from prison and staying clean off of heroin and getting Iron Man and becoming the biggest movie star on planet Earth, you know. We love that. I don't know that every culture would lift Robert Downey Jr. up after all of the things that he went through, you know? Yeah, yeah, but it's just like we 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 get an imprint. And I and I think it's like it's 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 part like some kind of innate human instinct where that where we form connections with people. And it's part our obsession with the hyper realism of celebrity culture where it's like we form parasocial relationships with celebrities and fully view them as the thing that they are presented to us and canonized to us as in movies and TV shows. And then something about our innate way we connect with human beings doesn't allow us to accept when there's a different narrative that comes out about that person than what we've been, what our, what, our, what, what we've cut our teeth on for them. And then, and then, yeah, it's like, you, and then you just, you just don't want, you just don't want to believe it. You put it out of your mind, you ignore things. And it's like, and this is a crazy, it, this is a crazy example of this because you can, you can understand why people do that for Johnny Depp because he's been in all these movies and people and like he, he's created things. He's, he's contributed to pop culture in a way. But with Miss Cleo, it's like, it was a, it was an infomercial. Like her whole shtick is basically just like brightly colored clothes and an accent. Yeah. I mean, she was just. She was just like she was just like a, a, a commercial spokesperson for a company. I don't know about you, but I'd go to hell and back for that Geico Gecko. Which one? The the original like posh British accent one or the or the uh, Cockney one? <laughs> oh, Cockney all the way, baby. I'm about that Gecko next generation life. Yep. T uh, G and G and G G and G. G and G. Yeah. G and G. Um, yeah, it's really weird. You know, it's it's. I don't quite know what it is, but I, like you said, I think there's something interesting and it's a testament to her cult of personality. So basically after the after the lawsuit you know, happens, they have this five-year window where they're really just riding high. They make a literal billion dollars in that window. And then the FCC comes in, they shut everything down, they settle out of court, they wipe all this back debt and they pay a small fine and then they basically just shut the company down and go, fuck it, we're moving on with our lives. Well, Miss Cleo's kind of out in the in the desert now. She doesn't have anything to do, really. So she tries to reinvent herself on a small scale, right? She tries to parlay the celebrity from being on TV into a face-to-face -face psychic business in Los Angeles, where she reinvents herself as a voodoo priestess now. So she's doing the whole Jamaican accent thing. She's still got the colors, but now she's doing voodoo rituals along with her tarot reading, and she'll, she has people come to a storefront that she has. Um, and people initially are very surprised by this because they're like, 
didn't you end up with like a fuckload of money from the thing the from the psychic readers network like yeah it's gone but like why are you still working aren't you just like set for life to which she said i probably made a little less than four hundred fifty thousand dollars for the two-year run of the thing i got 1500 for the first show and was making more by the time i was finished with them which is fascinating uh that she didn't really make all that much money i mean four hundred fifty thousand dollars is still a lot of money but compared to a billion it's really not well, I mean, that's that's interesting because like, yeah, it, it's not a lot of money, but it's also it also for what she did, which was just like act in some videos. It's a lot of money because like in our modern Web 2.0 social media company world, somebody who was in a bunch of Internet videos and played a character or whatever, they would have made a couple hundred bucks like that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason of that. That's the whole thing about like the Try Guys and and unsolved and all those characters. It's like they they were created by these people working for BuzzFeed and they BuzzFeed owned all of that. Like those the Try Guys was owned by BuzzFeed. Their literal personalities were owned by BuzzFeed. Like you as a as a as a producer at BuzzFeed, they had exclusive rights to any content you created. And all those people had to like fight legally to get like ownership of their own IP away from BuzzFeed. And they made deals and the Try Guys were able to like branch off and own the characters and make their own company. But prior to that, they made whatever their salary was for working at BuzzFeed for being the Try Guys. And now there's one less of them. Yeah, well, that's that's a whole that's a whole other story. It's interesting to me, though, how she tried to like brand the voodoo era because there's not a lot of video footage from it because it was all like in person performance. But she did a couple interviews uh, towards the end of her life. And one of the interviews kind of was about this transition and how she tried to shape the voodoo priestess era. Miss Cleo as different from the previous, you know, psychic readers network. I'm more of a shaman, an elder in a community who has visions and gives direction to people in their village. My clients and students are my village. I take care of this community. If you sit down at my table, you have to take away a lesson and not just learn what is going to happen tomorrow. Which is like word soup of bullshit. (laughs) It's so good. And also just like it's interesting to lean further into the mysticism after being outed is not really being Jamaican. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just be like, uh, I don't know, fuck it. Just So basically, after all this stuff kind of dies down, Miss Cleo lives a fairly low-key life for the next 20 years. She's still trying to do the voodoo thing, but she doesn't really have a means of monetizing it as well. Her kind of in-person business seems to do okay for a little while, and then it seems to kind of go away. She does some other kind of weird kind of VJ-style work in 2003, she became a spokesperson for the like rock music network Fuse. How weird is that shit? Just like, hey, now we're going to be listening to the fucking Dashboard Confessionals new album. Tune in. This channel was better when it was Much Music USA. Like, so she did that for a little while and then the whole thing went belly up and then she ended up getting it. She also uh, did a cameo in Grand Theft Auto. Oh. Wow. Oh. Come in, my dear, and rest your soul. You must be the big bad man my granddaddy been chatting about. Tell me things about you, you know, when he visits, and about the others who wait for you. Now, we all dead from long time, but you, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. <laughs> I got a message to come here. Can you hear them? Them calling your name, boy, must want you pretty bad, don't you think? 
Now you do all Auntie Pulea turn and maybe she help you. Maybe she can give you a little juju after all of this. Give you some magic to give the lama and the stink eye. Mm? Look, this is all very, um, give me what? Shh. I, I, I think I got the wrong address. Give me these things, Tommy. The Cubans nasty proud foo-foos. Mm. Been making my lovely Haitian boys shake their heads. Now they told the policeman where me been stashing my powders. They think it drugs. Them stupid. Now be a good boy, Tommy, and go and get the powders for Auntie Poule. <laughs> She's really got the accent down now. It only took her 30 years. She finally mastered it for this weird cameo in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Our R.I.P. to Miss Cleo and Ray Liotta. But also, but also that's fucking weird. Because it's like, she's not playing Miss Cleo. She's playing some other character. And like, who's basically Miss Cleo. And then like, also, it's not really like a nostalgia play that makes any sense. Because Grand Theft Auto Vice City takes place in the 80s. And it's all about like a bunch of weird 80s nostalgia stuff. So it's like, the, the nostalgia doesn't line up. And then she's not actually Jamaican. So it's just, it's such a weird cameo. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh... And as you mentioned, R.I.P., she died of colorectal cancer at the age of 53 in Palm Beach, Florida in 2016 at the age of 53 years old. She, Yeah, she, her, her, her grift came full circle. She started off scamming people by pretending like she had cancer, and then she died early of cancer. Yeah, it's sad. It's very sad. But also, like you said, I don't really believe in karma or any of that stuff, but it's kind of hard not to at some point where... Your first original sin is like stealing a fuckload of money, screwing over a bunch of people and just being like, I had bone cancer. And then just like disappearing into the fucking forest to then have everything catch up with you and you die in a fucking hospital somewhere. Uh, she also came out as gay pretty late in life, um, which was really interesting to me of like, oh, I wonder if like, cause you know, she was raised in a like a very Catholic Afro-Caribbean family, probably conservative. So I wonder if this character that she was playing was part of her trying to process her trauma of growing up and like the religious trauma and like obviously tarot reading is like not cool in Catholicism. So like that's her way of rebelling and then like as she starts to kind of like unpack her traumas, she starts to get to the root of what she really wants in life and somehow that is related with not being with men and being with women, which is really like an... There's just... The thing that's so frustrating about this story is I can tell that there's just so much more to unpack about her, but A, because she's dead, and B, because her whole thing is kayfabe, you never really know what's real and what's not, and there's not a lot of interviews with her where they're just, like, even in character or out of character with just talking to her, it's all the, like, cold reading stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, she's a she's a total kayfabe character to the point where, like, there's no, like, nothing you could ever hear from her would be reliable at all and, and very clearly not real. But there's, but but in that, there is something to be learned. Like, the, the lies that people tell about themselves tell you just as much about who they are as the truths that they tell you. And that's why I would be really interested in seeing, like, long-form interviews with her in character like i don't care i just w want to see more and hear her version of the personal history journey uh but they just don't really exist yeah and unfortunately and this kind of just goes further into what we were talking about before where it's like oh it's crazy that people have such nostalgia for this person because she was just some like 
infomercial actor. And it, it, it speaks more to that because it's like the reason why we don't know anything about her is because unlike, you know, J.J. Arms, who was also just like a liar who everything he said about himself was not true. Nobody cared enough or or there was not enough. There was not as, as much of an impetus to look into Miss Cleo's life and try to find the real facts so there's no, you know, in-depth expose about Miss Cleo as there was for J.J. Arms. So there's nothing to pull from because nobody cared enough to find out the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, como se dice, slightly depressing and also totally understandable. But uh, and, but also that, that there's that, that little interesting wing of it that you just brought up where it's like, Almost going back to the Boiled Angel episode, this idea that she was brought up in this very restrict, restricting, hardcore Catholic family, like the whole thing about like being a tarot reader and a voodoo priestess, it's it's totally just like full Mike Diana, like I'm just going to do the opposite of what people tell me I have to do. Like, oh, we're going to be in this really restrict, re, this really strict Christian religious family well, no, I'm a fucking voodoo priestess, motherfucker. Yeah, I wish that I had more of an insight into the modus operandi of why all of this happened. Because I think the easy version of it is to make the empathetic argument that, like, she was just doing it to protect and provide for her daughters. And I think that's probably a component of it and probably how you self-justify it. Um, but it really seems more malicious to me. Like It doesn't seem like any of this came from a light place. It really seems like it comes from a dark place. And it really seems like the only purpose is personal financial gain. Yeah. I mean, she started off by scamming a bunch of theater people out of money. Like what? That's that's one step away from just like stealing a homeless person's tent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah, for real. Like these these fucking community theater actors. You took their you took their life savings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know the the uh the 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 1% that really is just, you know, oppressing the masses. The community theater actors in Seattle. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it's very very fucking depressing. Very depressing story. Um and in frankly the more we talk about it, the more I kind of ruminate on the dark aspects of it. Like, I wish that I could enjoy the the fun, gregarious, oh, yeah, she's just, like, hanging out and, like, doing a Jamaican accent. Isn't it crazy how people gave her money to do bullshit psychic readings? Um, which is interesting, too, because it's not that I... I don't even necessarily not believe in psychic phenomena. I think the human brain is wild and we're capable of a lot of things, and... I know I've experienced things that I can't explain. So it's not like I'm a full on like. Is this leading up to you pitching your new psychic call in network? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like I, I, I'm i not a non-believer, but this is just so blatantly not anything compelling. It's a purely commercial exercise. Yeah, well, I, I think I think the, the sort of oscillation between like, oh, this is kind of like cool and interesting in an Andrew WK way. To like, no, this is fucked up. There was people that were hurt and scammed and like exploited. This is all bad. I think that comes from the fact that these things are all, it's almost like a, it's like a, it's like a, a more, it's a universal theory of everything of like the hurt people, hurt people adage where it's like, it's this weird funnel or this like, this like, it's this funnel or this chain reaction of somebody who's experienced trauma 
funneling that into utilizing it to try to enrich themselves or at least, you know, make a living or make ends meet. They resort to, uh, you know, kind of similar to the Nub City thing. They resort to maybe desperate actions or things that are unseemly or, you know, very bad and exploitative. And they go and they and they they take advantage of and exploit other people who are also experiencing trauma. And by the very nature of the trauma that they're experiencing, loneliness, pain, sadness, uh, you know, grief, they are they are good, easy marks for being exploited by these people that are themselves externalizing their own trauma. And it's just like a vicious cycle that goes around and around again. And so like because of that chain of exploitation and trauma that even whenever there's like an interesting element of it, like, oh, it's really interesting that she adopted this character or whatever. Like it, it, it always just it, it's an it's a it's a chain of exploitation. There's no way of escaping it. Like these these things are these things are these things are derived from trauma and they are they are uh, driven by exploitation in a way that you just it's just like there's there's a there's a there's a um, uh, there's an event horizon you can't escape from it. Yeah, I mean the uh, trauma event horizon. I think uh, I think it seems like everybody at some point in this story touched it. Even the guys who like founded Psychic Readers Network. I don't think you like found that as like your first get rich ponzi scheme like because you're like an emotionally well-centered person like i don't think you just wake up one morning you're like what if we like got a bunch of people to pretend to be psychic and like bilked a bunch of money out of some fucking saddos yeah there's there's a way there are way easier overt ways to scam people yeah all around yeah. like you do not you do not need to live as a jamaican psychic to scam people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. You, there's something else going on there I guess my closing thought is, um, call me now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a. It's it's a deceptive dark cuts. It starts out as like, oh, let's talk about a fun thing about this nostalgic person who's kind of like a freak and did this crazy shit. And then you dig into it, and you're just like, oh man, this is just like this is just sad human beings all the way to the ground. Like, yeah, it's a stealth dark cuts for sure. Stealth dark cuts. Um, but it just, yeah, it just once again, it just create, it just shows that gray area where it's like, it's not all like, oh, this is, this person is a horrible piece of shit, but it's also not all like fun, light, like, oh, look at this crazy story. Like there's just like, there's, there's shades of gray that I think make it worth kind of like unpacking these stories and making, and building them out to more than just like a thumbnail and a headline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm Dave Baker. I'm Spandrew Spice. And this has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me on the internet, you can do so at heydavebaker.com. Spandrew, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me by calling 1-900-LEARN-YOUR-SHIT from Spandrew. That's the full number. It'll work if you type it on your phone, on your touchtone telephone. And I will give you five free minutes where I will reveal all of the all of the times and dates where you will take a shit. I will, I will, I will give you your exact schedule down to the minute so that you can plan your life around it. Because everybody knows that the biggest source of trauma in this life is whenever you are like, you walk down the street, maybe like you walk like a mile away from your house and you go and you eat at a restaurant and you decide to walk there. And then on the way back, like less than halfway home, suddenly you have to take a shit. And you're like, I got to get home. And you start running and you realize, oh, the running's making it worse. I can't run. So then you start doing that power walk thing. And you and you just barely make it like you literally like 
the, you you get the pants halfway down and then you're it's on you 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 barely make it. So I I will tell you your exact schedule so that you can plan your entire life around it. Five free minutes. Then after that, it is it is three hundred dollars per minute, but it's gonna be worth it because this is gonna fix everything for you. And uh, you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media. But if you want to pay your respects to the dear beloved Papa Pricey and get his book, you can go to dapricerights.com and pick up Deadbolt Private Eye. You can also go and follow us on social media on Facebook. We're Deep Cuts Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show and make memes. You can also join our Discord server, bit.ly.com slash Deep Cuts Discord, where we talk about the show, make memes, talk about other stuff, play games, hang out, all that kind of stuff. You can follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can go to our website, deepcutspod.com, click on the shop and get T-shirts and hats with Deep Cuts graphics on them. You can also get our Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth shoulder patch. And once again, one nine hundred. Learn your shit with Spandrew. Five free minutes. Change your life. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.